I'm now going to introduce Simon. Uh, Simon is a designer, speaker, and author based in Nottingham. He's a proud partner of Fictive Kin and also organizes the annual New Adventures events. That sounds kind of interesting. So I'll pass it across to Simon now, who uh, has no idea what he's doing. Okay, that's true. Uh, I'm just going to plough straight in. Uh, I think I was half listening to David there. I heard some very nice things. I think he's introduced me, so uh, I won't go over that stuff again. Besides, you'll kind of hear some stuff about what I do. Um, I've titled this talk after an internet meme. It was only last year that I discovered that it was pronounced meme and not meme <laughs> That's 100% true. I am so inept when it comes to internet. I, I don't even know, like, do I even use the internet? I'm so clueless when it comes to all this shorthand and ridiculous stuff. I have no idea. A meme sure I must have said that to like people who were assessing me and judging me and thinking he's ridiculous. So anyway, there's an internet meme of a dog tapping away at a keyboard. He has no idea what he's doing. There's lots of dogs in various situations that humans would do. That's where that comes from. Uh, but it's also applicable to me because I have no idea what I'm doing. Uh, much of the time, probably some of you don't know what you're doing either. Um, was that, was, that, was that a laugh regret? All the time. Right. I have at least one friend with this talk. That's, that's a relief. Um, I'm not sure if this talk will be useful. Where Kia, Kia's bookend at the beginning of the evening was 100% or 97% useful. So I was listening. This one's probably 97% useless. But uh, I don't know. It's the end of the night. So if it goes badly, you can just throw plastic glasses at me and I'll cry on my way back to the hotel. It's cathartic, for sure. Um, let's see how it goes. So it's two, 2013, and um, this is probably as close as I'll ever get to anything like a year off. Um, I am working full-time, but for me, a year off constitutes saying no to all the peripheral stuff. And there's a lot of peripheral stuff. Uh, after, after 13 years or so of working on the web and burning myself out... Um, this year, I want to concentrate on my core work, my work. I want to go and learn new things. I've stood on stages and listened to myself going over the same old ground about the same subjects, and but I've been like, shut up, Collison. Like, so, and I see the same people in the audience. I thought, oh, God, you've heard me do this talk three times. You know, and that makes me feel bad, and God knows how they feel. So I want to get stuck into my work. I want to learn new things and maybe bounce back in 2014. I've only committed to doing three talks this year. Um, one is a kind of annual talk to the students at Nottingham Trent University, uh, which I think is really important. And that was yesterday. They were a lovely bunch. The second is Milton Keynes Geek Night. Because uh, regrettably, I agreed to do it like nine months ago. <laughs> and, and the third is a conference in Newfoundland. And my girlfriend lives there, and it's all expenses paid, and I'm not stupid. <laughs> I don't think I've got the necessary direction this year either. I don't think I'm quite with it in terms of great, useful nuggets of wisdom to impart. And I think you have to be honest with yourself about things like that. It's very easy to just say yes to everything uh, and then be mediocre. And I'm not interested in that. Um, I'm not arrogant enough to assume, but did any of you see a video of a talk I did, Creative Mornings, New York, October-ish time? It was on the internet. Thank you, Rachel. I wasn't going to do that as a question. I was going to do it more like some of you may have seen. Uh, oh, well. 
Anyway, this is like a sequel to that in a way. That was a very honest talk that I did. Um, I threw away any kind of big grand narrative stuff and just wrote an honest 15, 20-minute rant about how I felt about the internet, um, the way we are encouraged to continually keep learning, which is a good thing, but also in a, there's a lot of pressure with that. Um, uh, to the culture of the must-read article. You must read this, you must do that, you must know this. He says this, she says that, and all the pressure that comes with that. And I talked about how I struggle to keep up with everything. And I do struggle to keep up with everything. So of all the long-winded kind of talks I've done over the last three or four years, this was one I was actually really proud of. And you'd never hear me say something I did was really good. I'm not like that, but it was, it was a, I think, a good talk, and it gave me a lot of confidence. I was really happy. But it was also, also felt like an end point, a pause. Uh, I think like anything I've created that's had any kind of value as I see it, it was honest and heartfelt and direct. So hopefully this talk will be... Uh, I, I like the way I've used like a third of the time to talk about the talk. That's <laughs> classic. It's like, don't do that, Simon. No, I won't do that. I've done it. But I've done my best not to reuse the content from that other talk, and I kind of have this as an extension. If you like this... Wow, uh, you're a rare breed indeed. But also, if you want to see the first part, Creative Mornings, uh, my name, Vimeo, the internet. It's probably on there. It's on bsquare.me, which is uh, run by uh, Craig there, straight out of Wales. Okay, first of all, a preface. I'm going to read you an email. I put this in at about 6 p.m., so I'm not sure if I should. But I'm going to read you an email. I received this email a week ago. Hey all, I'll read it fast. So this was to everybody at Fictive Kid. We're in a position now where we've worked around some schema incompatibilities between default InnoDB configs and Postgres. The MySQL database, or MySQL, don't get me on that, database <laughs> schema can be created, correctly migrated with South, Postgres database dumped and then successfully imported into the new MySQL database. Involved various character encoding faffing. That was in brackets. I've been taking some random data grabs from both DBs for comparison, which are all in order. He goes on. I've also fixed all unsupported raw SQL queries and ORM, or ORM, uh, operations with support alternatives. There was also some performance differences due to the different queries the ORM generates for each DBMS. Some made loads times unreasonable, for which I spent some time optimizing this result. Grammar, Phil resulted in a huge speed-up for location lookups and dash endpoint load times in particular. He goes on. Uh, Django test runs against... I'll skip this because the test suite to take forever to set up. It looks like custom test runner is required to avoid this, which he's still working on. Let me know if you have any questions. Cheers, Phil. <laughs> so I'm a designer. Right? <laughs> so I, I, that, I get loads of those. Uh, if ever you just want to confuse the whole team, it's like everyone at fictivekin.com. And I, I get these. It wasn't, he didn't even do it to the project specific, to the five or six people working on that particular product or project. He just went to everybody. If you have any questions. Where did I? I had like a million questions and none. <laughs> and it just, just, I just don't know. It's like, great? No idea. So the other day I was thinking about what I do now. Uh, who I do it with, and why. Uh, I like it. I love what I do. Um, I like having ideas and making products with, with good people. That's basically what I do. Uh, I'm okay using this word products. I guess because I don't kind of do direct client work anymore. Nothing wrong with client work. 
very valuable, in fact. Um, I kind of see these things as products. Make something you love is what we say at Fictive Kin. That's our motto, and we try and do that every day. We also say, let's go and get drunk, and we try not to do that every day. Uh, I have 13 full-time partners. And beyond this accumulated flesh and bone and brain matter, there are many, many other ingredients as well that make us what we are. So 13 full-time colleagues. There's two in San Francisco. There's one in Washington, D.C. Uh, he's usually in a basement in the dark when we see him on G+, which is scary. One in Baltimore, the charm city. Uh, if you've seen The Wire, no charm, as far as I can tell. Three in beautiful Brooklyn, one in Montreal, one in Toronto. Uh, two in that London. One in Aarhus, which is in Denmark, and not in the middle of our street. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. At least there's that. However this talk goes, at least there was that moment. <laughs> one in Nottingham, that's my esteemed ginger colleague, Gregory, of course. Uh, and one in Lafayette, I don't know where that is. Paris. Paris. No, he's in America somewhere. But I, yeah, I, don't, I don't know where it is. Louisiana. Louisiana. Crikey. That explains his accent. <laughs> so one there. Then there's our associates and the people we sometimes work with. Um, and there's a bunch of those, and they're spread all over the place. And there's all these different time zones. Um, and I've really any, any idea what time it is where I am. So having an idea where all these people are in these different time zones completely confuses me. Um, we're in this sort of perpetual flux, this kind of Venn diagram of time zones, where occasionally there's a magic moment where almost all the team are working at the same time. Uh, but more often than not, I'm just kind of wrapping up for the day as Evan in San Francisco is getting out of bed, which is a shame because I need him to do some jQuery stuff for me. So it's all a bit mixed up. And for a team like ours, there's the importance of communication and staying in touch with each other, and we, we do a pretty good job of that. So we've got Skype, of course, where I just type everything completely fast, and I am constantly making spelling errors in, in Skype, uh, and I just, can't, I just can't improve. That's my latest one. I do that all the time. That's a classic. I do that so many times a day. And obviously, I'm that guy as well. <laughs> I literally cannot stop typing that. I just try, even when I go really slowly, it's just... There's Google Plus Hangouts, which for us uh, are fantastic. We try, we try and have very serious conversations on there. But we end up using those effects palettes and turning ourselves into pirates and dogs and clowns and shit and just waste of time. But it's good fun, you know. Morale, very important. And there's DMs appearing suddenly via Twitter and email and SMS. And in SMS, they seem to be broken up in two. So my phone pings twice. Then I get a ping from the email. Then I'll get another DM apologizing for sending me a DM. And then there'll be more pings. But it's always better than an answer phone message, right? Always. Normal emails, more pings. The things are pinging all the time. And Dropbox is constantly sinking, and new folders are appearing, and I don't know what they are or what they're for. But they're coming in morning, noon, and night, and my hard drive is just reducing to virtually nothing, to the point I've started unsubscribing myself from shared folders for projects I'm supposed to be working on because I have no space left. And then there's IRC. Who uses IRC? Wow, few. Any of you designers? We're a rare breed. Designers, you use IRC. 
internet relay chat. People always say developers only use it, really. Uh, and I think it's mostly true. But at Fictive Kin, there's three or four of us designers, me and John Tan and Greg and a couple of others. We're, we're on IRC all day. We stay in touch. It works really well. But there's like 18 channels scrolling with messages and stuff. And we made thousands of custom emoticons as a project one afternoon. Somebody did it. So every time there's a great new sort of GIF or something on the web, somebody turns it into something we can include to rip the piss out of each other or just distract ourselves from the work we should be doing. Mostly, it's cat GIFs. <laughs> so if we don't achieve anything else in, what, in this kind of ambitious work we do, at least we've made that. And there's always so much extra stuff and more files. And the files are going up, up pipes and down pipes, and I can't keep track of any of them. There are meetings. There are meetings about meetings. Of course there are. They're not proper, stuffy, grown-up meetings. We don't do that. But they're meetings. And there's lots of notes and minutes. And sometimes there's little iterations and releases and things on top of the projects we're doing, of course. There are trackers. We track stuff. There are spreadsheets. There's a thing called Pivotal. There's a thing called Workflowy. There's a wiki, of course. There's always a wiki. My tip, call it a wookie. Just makes a few more minutes pass. You feel okay. <laughs> There's more documents over here, but they might be over there. In fact, nobody's really sure where any of the documents are or what systems we're using for anything. Nobody knows because basically everything is being trialled. Because there's no hierarchy in what we do, we're just constantly trialling everything. Yeah, that could work. Well, try that then. Tomorrow, one of us will again talk about building our own systems, you know, because we can. And we'll all agree that's a good idea, and then we'll just forget about it. <laughs> There's maybe two projects on the go at any one time, or maybe five, or maybe eight. I'm not entirely sure. There's small ones, medium ones, and large ones. There's very big ones. There's secret ones. There's the ones that I'm on and the ones that I'm not on. The ones I'm not on can affect the ones that I am on. And some people are, again, Venn diagrammatically across lots of different projects. And I'm never quite sure who's on what, because it changes day to day. And then we have an investor called Betaworks. Um, like parents, really. <laughs> and they stir in all this stuff every day. Grown-up stuff. Meetings that are like meetings, meetings. Um, and, you know, it's business. So there's business going on. They're like the Tyrol Corporation or Omnicorp, for any of you film buffs out there. They operate in a big building in the meatpacking district in Manhattan, and I'm pretty sure that Zool, or the gate to Gozer, is on the top of their building. <laughs> there are new people being added all the time to the teams. So there's these teams around products that we've given them, because we're not good enough to scale these projects, and we're not the kind of people who want to be a one-project company. So we build something, we get excited, and then we kind of give, give it to them with some rights. They scale teams around it. So there's all these other people gravitating to our stuff, and somebody's like, well, Dave's doing it. Who's Dave? Who's Dave? Dave, he's been working on that for two weeks. I didn't know. Okay, Dave. So there's new teams, teams on top of teams, teams inside teams, teams around other teams. Teams. And then, then there's some major dev stuff. And this is where I really get stuck. There's dev stuff. There's dark arts. There's black ops going on. <laughs> there are environments. The devs like to make environments. 
To make things more bearable, I again give these nicknames. So I've called one of the environments Krypton, and there's another one called Hoth. And my nicknames really confuse the devs, and I love that. I've got a problem in Hoth. Well, just call it what... I don't know what it's called, I just call it Hoth. There's a VPN, which I've discovered doesn't mean visible panty anything at all. It stands for something else, but I don't know what it is. It's a private network, I think. And people tunnel into my machine and do things in my machine, and they probe it, and they migrate things back and forth. Uh, they're probably looking to see if I've downloaded porn, which I haven't. Not on this machine, I'm keeping this one clean. <laughs> and around and inside, or maybe outside of that VPN, is the VM, or VMs, or virtual machines. It's like something out of Terminator, but dull. <laughs> And I don't really know, but they're like really, really important jewels, uh, kind of precious jewels, but they break all the time. And each project has a VM, or is a VM, I'm not sure. And to make these precious machines do what I need them to do, I have to use Terminal. And I'm a designer. <laughs> and I write command line stuff. I was quite proud of the way I changed the typeface. I was a designer. So. <laughs> Pretty good. It's another highlight. It's two. It's two good bits in this talk. Uh, sometimes I'm told to provision my VPN. VPN. My, no, my VM. My VM. Whatever. But I don't know if my VPN is up. So I don't know. Maybe I need to vagrant up. Yeah. Vagrant up. Or vagrant reload. I never know which is which. One's faster, one's slower. I don't really know. But... I'm getting fatal errors. Fatal errors. This is how I design now. I'm seeing a stream of errors coming at me in colours I've never even seen before. In colours that no man has ever seen before on this planet. <laughs> and I don't know what to do about them. It's going to be one of those days. I just know it's going to be one of those days. But then it gets worse. <laughs> Git. So I push it, I pull it, I fork it, <laughs> prod it, poke it, branch it, whatever I'm told to do, that I do those things to it. Is it on a branch? If it's on a branch, which branch? Is it on my branch or is it on your branch? Whose branch is it on? I don't know. But then I'll find there's a conflict. There's a conflict. While I was writing this, it made me think, because I'm obviously English, and I hear these words that are appropriated and used in these different situations. Uh, and um, one of my friends at Fictive Kin, um, he justifies this a lot, but he made a thing called... I'm not, I'm not doing this for funny. If anyone laughs, don't laugh. But he... I can't say that now, can I? <laughs> he, I'm not going to say it, because I don't want anyone to think I'm... He basically made a, a little fun project, but... He's American, and he called it something that's a derogatory term in the UK, and people pointed that out to him, and it wasn't, wasn't good. So that happens all the time, right? And everything has a stupid name. And Git is a ridiculous name for something that we pretty much have to use all the time. So I looked it up, just to confirm, and Git, on the internet, which I use, mildly derogatory, scumbag, annoying person, originally meaning illegitimate, from archaic form get, Bastard. 
as well. It's just bracket bastard, but I've just said what it said. Which is still used to mean git in northern dialects. Also means idiot, right? So let's call it what it is. Let's call it idiot. So this is what we're using. So I'm an idiot poking and prodding and pushing and forking and branching. It's on a different branch, but which one is it? I don't know. Whose branch? There's a conflict in idiot. That's how I see it. That's how my brain processes this thing. I still can't handle the fact it's called git and I have to use it. Everything we do from now on forever and a day is going to happen through git, through idiot. And we need a new idiot repo. But I haven't got access. There's something about it on the wiki. Maybe it's on Google Drive. No, it's in Workflowy. Why? Why is it on Workflowy? Why is anything ever on Workflowy? Why the fuck is it called Workflowy? <laughs> workflowy. I like people to, I try to have serious conversations with people. They think I'm stupid because I'm talking about something called Workflowy. So can I work on that? No, because somebody else is in it. I don't know what's going on. I need to provision my VM. Is my VPN up? You see how this goes. But there's a problem. So where's the problem? The problem's with Puppet. <laughs> of course the problem's with Puppet. It's called Puppet. I don't know what it does. Actually, it was in Celery. <laughs> celery. Not in Mongo. And not in Flask. It was actually in Tasty Pie. <laughs> this is real. Somebody, somebody, has anyone used, do you want to know any of those things I've just mentioned? Use them. Yeah. See, I'm not mental. <laughs> Tasty, somebody actually put their time and effort into make, working on something, solving a problem, and releasing it to the world and called it Tasty Pie. It's crazy. Sometimes we get Django issues. Sometimes we get moustache issues. Really? That's spelt correctly because Americans did it. <laughs> Yesterday I had a problem in my ginger templates. <laughs> I did. I really did. Genuinely. That's nice. Or oh, ginger moustache. Kia's ahead of me. This is why he's smart, you see. We're actually using ginger 2, which is the sequel, which is much better. I'm told. Whatever it was, we had an incorrect nesting of templates. And that caused a conflict. In idiot. <laughs> so basically, that was my day the other day. Almost genuinely. Almost like that. That kind of happens a lot. So when I looked at my working day and I looked at what was happening, I realised it was a combination of VMs and VPNs and Git, and pushing and pulling, forks, branches, puppet, Django, celery, moustache, workflowy, conflicts, fatalities, and tasty pie. <laughs> this is in numerous systems all at once. And all at the same time with people all over the globe chipping away at this stuff. Everyone's in each other's machines. and Brains are pushing and pulling all this information and all this stuff. Provisioning and chunneling and vagranting. I think at some point I actually did do some design work. It was about 5pm that day and I just stopped. Uh, I made a cup of tea and I, I stared out the window for a bit and just said to myself, very matter-of-factly, literally said it, I have no idea what I'm doing. And I realised I had no idea what I was doing at all. 
So I vagrant suspended, I shut the VPN, I closed TextMate, I disconnected from IRC and Skype and G+, and all the trackers and all the bits and pieces, and I paused. And I realised I was happy. I couldn't be happier. Genuinely. This is not some crazy construct for the talk. I was happy. I was pleased. So why would all this confusion and chaos and indecipherable geekery and machines and all this stuff make me happy? On the face of it, it suggests that at Fictive Kin, we're out of our depth. We've no idea what we're doing. We're an infinite load of monkeys. We're an infinite number of apps and machines and wires slowly going crazy. But that's not the case. That isn't the case. So I started thinking more. From, from time to time in, in my career, I don't really like that word, but in my, in my trajectory so far, I've, I can see points where I've very much been in control. And that's been important to me. I like that. I like to feel in control. Especially in an industry that's built on shifting sand, right? This glorious ebb and flow that we've learned to embrace that we love so much. We've learned to kind of flow and ebb along with it. That's a whole other talk, but I've mostly been out of control when it comes to that stuff. Desperately clinging on as, as everything evolves uh, and, and, and knowledge is just growing and the pile of books I need to read and so on. Uh, I've worked as an employed designer. I've run my own agency. I've spent a few years freelancing. Um, I've, I've run a big conference. I've, I've worked in all sorts of situations in collaborated and done all sorts of different things. And I was thinking about all that the other day, and and despite what I might think when I look back, when I analyse it, my best decisions were were gambles. I was gambling. I was taking risks. I was adventuring. And all during all those important decisions, when I think about it, I didn't really have any idea what I was doing. So this is why Fictive Kim was the job for me. Because a couple of years into freelancing, which for me was like the pinnacle, was like, yes, I've made it. And the commute to work involved feeding the cat and falling over some washing, right? And that's it. But I was getting too safe, far too safe. Safe as in unchallenged, comfortable, cosy. Now I look back and I was right to opt out of speed as best I could. This need to kind of learn everything all the time and read everything that's put in front of you. Uh, And I'm pleased with the kind of the pace I found with that. But for me as an individual, and each one of you has to kind of look at this and we all have to assess ourselves as individuals and think what's right for us at all times. I wasn't really worrying about me, about my own personal development and progress. So on the face of it, it seems great, but actually it it was incredibly dangerous. And and I think I realised that. So I was cozying up in my office at home and pottering around. and I was doing talks and I was writing stuff, but I was kind of mining things that had made sense to me or I'd had some fun with and, uh, and, and notoriety, whatever the word is, in like 2006, 2007, 2010. And I was still talking and writing about that stuff. And that could have been really dangerous to carry on that. I wasn't really listening either. So I was falling behind and... I was at my least productive during one of the internet's most crazy periods of development, the last two or three years, when we've really kind of advanced certain things and begun to understand the unique interactions and, uh, and, and 
things that happen only in our medium, in those rectangles that we live our lives working with. So I'd lost sight of me within all that and, and how to keep moving, how to advance myself. It's very easy for us to coast. It's really easy for that to happen. And there's a point where you've worked so hard, you just think, yeah, I deserve this. But I don't think we can just rest around and do that to get too safe and get left behind. The best things I've ever done have been gambles, as I said, and jumping from safety into perilous waters. The best work I've ever done has been when I've been under pressure, when I've been out of my depth, or when the deadlines have been just crazy. Or I've said I can do something knowing I can only deliver in my head, or at the time, 50%, 60%, 70% of that, and I've got to learn the rest on the job, quick, fast. Because so very often I've had no idea what I was doing. I'm like it in the work I do now very often. I, I, I get the most joy from experimenting, playing, trying things, breaking stuff, failing. We always talk about failing. It's becoming boring now, but still. Swearing at stuff. I'm at my best when I'm swearing at things, when I don't know what they're doing, when I want to throw the computer out the window. That's the best time. I'm energized, I'm excited. Something's happening, at least. Just following ideas and seeing what happens with them. We all love that. We're not all in opportunities to be able to do that from nine to five every day, but we've got to find it in our general attitude to what we do and why we're all together today. I feel shackled and, and burdened when I think about all this knowledge and there are thousands of lines from the, a, and a book apart I'm supposed to have read and committed to memory and be able to recite like a Bible or something. But I can't take it all in and I can't remember it all. And everyone's just chuntering away at me about the mobile web, as if it's any different to the web, as uh, I think Anna Debenham very nicely tweeted yesterday. It's true. I'm told I must do it this way, I must do it his way, I must do it her way. There is only one way, and there is a right way. And if you don't do it that way, then you're doing it the wrong way. Blah, blah, blah. So with Fictikin, I, I have all of this kind of stuff going on. And I know what I'm trying to achieve most of the time. And I know I need to make decisions. I need to understand things and empathize. I need to design things. I need to share things, discuss, experiment. I need to throw things around. Literally and metaphorically, I need to be doing that. But so much of what's going on around me is gobbledygook and madness. It feels like it. All these people doing all these crazy things that I don't understand. I'll regularly be like, we're doing what? We're, we're scraping X from Y and plugging it into Z to Y to, 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 for a, to make A talk to B or C. We don't know. It might work. That's kind of how it feels every day kind of synchronizing all these different technologies and different things, but that's good. For me, the beauty is if, if, if I want to know more about a certain technology we're using, all I've got to do is ask. It's all there on tap if I want to. And we can do that with anything that we don't understand, whether we work with people who do things like that or otherwise. It's up to us. We can just turn on a tap. We don't have to do it all at once. We're a very knowledgeable bunch, the guys I work with, but we've learned to put aside a lot of our kind of hang-ups about the way each of us work, to work better and more efficiently together, and all our OCD approaches to the things we do, and just follow our instincts and our emotions. There's a, there's a raw beauty of just going with the flow and, and being like a child about 
the things you do uh, and the way you approach the things around you. Not worrying too much about why you have to type something into terminal. Just knowing that if you do it, you can enable something that lets you do what you want to do. And that's good enough for me most of the time. I don't burden myself with the rest of it. I don't have to show off. If one of you talks to me about terminal, I'm okay with basically saying to you, I have no idea what you're talking about. I do that, yeah, I don't know why I do it, but I don't know. If there's a problem, I can find out. There's also this really, really good thing called Google. So if I don't know how to do something, pretty much all the information that mankind has ever created is available in seconds. So I can use that if need be. I like this idea of learning everything and obviously being good at what we do. And, and like I'm a designer, so I need to know color theory. I need to know composition. I need to know all these, well, not necessarily if I'm working on the web, it seems. But you know what I mean. That was a dig. But I don't need to know that stuff. But then I get so far, and then I can, it's gone into muscle memory now. So I learn to forget it and work more instinctively. Uh, I like being quite clueless in a, in a modern age. I like not knowing how the hell that iPhone works, just knowing it's amazing. It's like magic in my hand, and that's tremendous. So I think we can be a little amateur about things. Uh, Marshall McLuhan, I'm a designer, I quote McLuhan. It's just something we do. He talks about how the amateur is more likely to develop and grow. The professional, he says, is more likely to specialize and become an expert and will be more likely rooted whilst others move forward and adapt. He talks about the danger of a fixed point of view. And I think an obsession with the must-read article and us all reading everything at the very same time and all becoming one is kind of dangerous, and it roots us all into a certain place and a certain way of thinking. I like the beauty of fumbling around, half-blind, having a fresh and unhindered mind. There's a raw pleasure in discovering how things fit and how they work, off your own back, in your own way. Taking a TV, TV apart when you're a kid, things like that. Trying stuff. Uh, Milton Glaser, tremendous, wonderful, wise old designer, kind of like a designer's Yoda. He was talking about design, and he basically said, being a designer, I just move things around until they look right. And what an absolutely wonderful, amazing thing to say. I love it. Moving things around until they look right. So unpretentious. All designers can learn a thing or two from that. And you can take this beyond design to just, I move things around until they feel right or fit better. It can be in your work, your job, your place in the world, your life. I'm forever moving my life around, it seems, until it fits better. That's kind of what I do every day. So I hope none of us ever get so comfortable that we, we know exactly what we're doing, that everything around us makes sense, um, and every day we should be challenged by this stuff in some way or other. Being brave, trying bold stuff, it takes us to places where we can't possibly be armed with everything we need. We can't possibly have all the information and knowledge we need each day in this industry to move forward. We need to, we're going to be half blind all the time. There's a beauty to all this fumbling, to have a little idea and not really know what you're doing. So everybody is telling you to tighten up. It feels like everybody is tightening that screw. Tighten up. Improve here. Improve there. Don't drop a stitch over there. Make sure you do this exactly 100% as I say. 
Now, it's not for you to listen to me on Take On Board what I say, but I would say to you, loosen up. Loosen up as much as you can within your job, within the work you do, and find a little bit of you again. And stop being the designer or the developer that everybody else wants you to be and find your own voice in that. The most important thing, I think, is, is that you're doing it, above all, that we're all doing this stuff. That's the most important thing. So don't worry. Enjoy the dark whilst you fumble around looking for the light. And like I always say, just, just do. Just make sure you do. And do it your way. Um, hope you're going to let me out of here alive. Thanks for that. <laughs> Cheers.